Well, the rope that I've been given is a rather short one, so let's hope I can get it uh, figured out here pretty quick. Welcome into y'all on this Thursday. I'm John Rawl. This is the program that is all about the Southeast, and for what we hope the next three hours, we're going to discuss what's going on across the Southeast today. We've got an update on news items, sports items, some entertainment items, the baby in the news. We'll talk about the baby Selena Gomez also in the news. Bunch of country music news of note that we'll tell you. We're going to play some new music on today's y'all show. Miranda Lambert has just released a new song, and we've got it thanks to her folks at her record label. We'll be sharing that. Also, we'll be telling you about a great honor for Carly Pierce as she was inducted into the Grand Ole Opry over the past weekend. All that ahead on Talk with a Southern Accent. We are continuing our tour across the Southeast as we feature schools and the traditions and famous alumni and all that is college football. We're now one month away from big-time college football being up and going. And our spotlight school today on the Y'all Show, the Texas Longhorns. And we're going to take you to the 40 acres in Austin as the University of Texas and their 2021 season will be featured big time, prime time, here on this Thursday Y'all Show. And if you didn't like Texas before, you've got even more reasons to hate them today <laughs> because we're featuring him here and on the Y'all Show. they got a hot new coach, Steve Sarkeesian, has arrived on the 40 Acres to rescue this program that frankly has been rather unimportant over the last 15 years. And Texas is trying to get back to the mountaintop, a place where Mac Brown led them back in 2005 or four, one of those years back at the Rose Bowl. They won that game over Miami at the time. No, I'm sorry, over USC, rather. But today, if you don't like Texas and you're an SEC fan, they're joining your conference. Alert. That was the big story from the other day. So it's all burnt orange. We're going to actually hear Matthew McConaughey, the most famous University of Texas at Austin alum. We're going to get some thoughts from him about his beloved alma mater as he not long ago went by the practice field of the Longhorn football team and gave them some inspiration. And we've got that audio clip, and we're going to play it here on today's Y'all Show. So that ought to be a whole lot of fun. All right, all right, all right, Matthew McConaughey coming up on today's y'all show so that is ahead also on today's y'all show we have a look at what's going on in the other sports world happenings on this thursday as we have the olympics winding down and i may kind of give opinionated observations of the 2020 which are happening in 2021 olympics as it just seems that frankly the USA team is not doing too good in any of the sports. Maybe it's just I'm tuning in at the wrong time, and I'm seeing a lot of the Americans get bronze or no medals at all. And we, I just don't think compared to what Americans are used to, and, and in the end, this country may have a better medal count compared to the other countries of the world. But gosh, is it just me? I, I just saw, I mean, last night I was tuning in, and I haven't really made an effort to make must-see TV of most of the Olympics, but every contest I was watching, the Americans represented, they they were not doing very good. So we will discuss that in our sports coverage of today's Y'all Show, the latest on 
all the NFL training camps, which are underway right now. That's ahead in our sports blast of this first hour. And before the hour is up here, hour one of today's Y'all Show, we're going to tell you about a delicious recipe that has been shared to us here, mail at y'all.com. That is how you can send us recipes, tips, suggestions, anything like that. And we have a recipe sent in for PB&J, not just the little sandwich that we all kind of grew up on, but no, we've got a recipe for PB&J cobbler. And I'm going to walk through what in the world is in a PB&J cobbler. And that's coming up later this hour in what we call hashtag hullabaloo. So that is headed your way here, hour number one of the Y'all Show. So we've got that kind of fun stuff. Hour two today, as we said, entertainment news and notes from Hollywood, from Nashville, and more. We also have a great report coming in from Melissa Rhodes. She's got a southern accent on southern business. That will be coming your way, hour number two. Hour three today, more on the Texas Longhorns tradition and famous alumni. And we have to wrap up today's Y'all Show, a look at some of the great festivals taking place across the southeast this very weekend. If you want to get in the car and have one more road trip before we get to Labor Day, this might be just the weekend to do that. And we'll be sharing with you all of the great events taking place across the southeast this very weekend as part of our Festive South feature here of today's Y'all Show. Again, if you want to be part of our show, our number is 803-816-1170. That's a number you can text or call. Our number is available to text 24 hours a day, 803-816-1170. You also can find us in podcast form if you're not able to catch us on all of our awesome radio stations that carry this show each and every day. You can tune in at your convenience on your own schedule. And the way to do that is through the podcast option of the Y'all Show. And so here is what you need to do to catch us in podcast form. You can go to Spotify. And we're right there in podcast form at Spotify. Just search for Y'all Show. We're also available on Apple Podcasts. And that is a wonderful, easy way to get set up to get this show each and every day. Three hours of nonstop talk about Dixie. That's what we do here each and every day on the Y'all Show. We're also available, you can find us on the iHeartRadio app. Just go there, and it's so easy to find the Y'all Show right on the iHeartRadio app. We're in the TuneIn app, and we're also on Stitcher. All ways for you to keep up with what's going on across the Southeast As here on this show, we're talking what's going on from a cultural standpoint, from a food standpoint, what's going on maybe from a religious standpoint across the Southeast. We have it all covered, y'all. And I'm John Rawl thanking you for taking the time to be part of the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern Accent. Let's get into some news headlines today and a big haul for the United States Coast Guard. We don't give the Coasties enough credit. This week, they actually celebrate the anniversary, the birthday of the Coast Guard. And I guess as a way to celebrate the Coast Guard's birthday, this week in Florida, the USCG has had a $1.4 billion haul of illegal drugs that they were able to seize. Congratulations to our federal forces in the United States Coast Guard as they were able to offload more than $1.4 billion at Port Everglades in Fort Lauderdale. And that happened today 
The agency announced that the crew of the Cutter James offloaded nearly 60,000 pounds of cocaine and approximately 1,400 pounds of marijuana, all at the port in Fort Lauderdale. Coast Guard officials said it was the largest offload in the vessel's history, and that vessel, again, is the USCG Cutter James. And it was the biggest offload in its history. Multiple Coast Guard units, along with the U.S. Customs and Border Patrol and its Canadian partners, assisted with the effort. So, what a nice payday for somebody for seizing $1.4 billion in illegal drugs trying to get snuck into the country. And that's a big story coming out of Florida today. Also here on the Y'all Show, we love and we do this. We do this pretty regularly here on the Y'all Show. Tell you about fishing stories. I don't know if this is a fish you want to catch when you're down at your local watering hole. A fish has been caught in North Carolina, and it has human-looking teeth. And Nashawn Martin has been the one that caught this fish while fishing in the Old North State. And I'm looking at a photo of this scary-looking fish right now, and yeah, I, I think I'd be throwing this one back pretty darn fast. Yes, Nathan Martin catching this one. And it was a scary thing to see. Could you imagine maybe fire, firing this one up on the grill and seeing those ugly teeth staring right at you in the face? But that's what could have happened if not for the, I guess, wise advice of a fellow fisherman as this fish caught, again, in North Carolina. A fish with human-like teeth. Fox News reported on the odd-looking fish. And, yeah, it's out here on social media if you want to check it out for yourself. A fish with human-looking... Uh, man, I don't, I don't know if I can go on and tell you more about it. It was caught while Nathan Martin was fishing in Nags Head. That's in the Outer Banks portion of North Carolina. The fish appears to be smiling in the photos from ear to ear and, again, exposes a set of human-like teeth in the photo. I don't think this is a Photoshop deal. I think this is a actual thing. Again, this North Carolina fisherman reeling in this crazy fish, and I am looking for the actual variety of the fish. I'm not seeing it there. Maybe, maybe researchers are still trying to get their teeth around this story coming out of North Carolina. Another story out of North Carolina to tell you about today, and that's from Fort Bragg. And this is a really positive, feel-good type story coming from North Carolina. Fort Bragg is collecting military boots to represent the nation's fallen heroes. They've already received about 7,500 of the boots, or or they need about 7,500 for the display Again, this is at Fort Bragg, home of the 82nd Airborne. And Fort Bragg collecting these boots to represent the American men and women killed in the line of duty. So if you are a veteran and you've had these boots that they are seeking, those with a pair of no longer needed gently used boots can donate them to the Fort Bragg Army Community Services annual 5K run. And that will feature a field filled with military boots to tribute the nation's fallen heroes. Now, this is going to take place at Hedrick Stadium on August 28th, and that's on the Fort Bragg campus there near Fayetteville, North Carolina. There'll be the Run, Honor, Remember 5K Memorial Display event. It's open to Department of Defense card holders and their guests. But a sea of combat boots 
and this memorial boot display honoring our heroes. And it's supposed to honor our fallen service members since September 11th, 2001. As, again, we're now just a month away. One month away from the 20th anniversary of September 11th, 2001. Can you believe it's been two decades since that tragic day in American history? And you can help out. Again, they're looking for about 7,500 pair of boots to be donated to Fort Bragg. And if you're an Army veteran, chances are at some point in your career, and maybe you still have that great military career going, you have passed through Fort Bragg in North Carolina, and perhaps you're a veteran and alum of the United States 82nd Airborne Division. You understand Fort Bragg and the incredible group of soldiers who've passed through those gates and many have gone on and lost their lives in service to the country. And what a fantastic way to remember all of them through this boot display that they're putting on right now in North Carolina. In Coleman, Alabama, I was just in Coleman County the other day. I didn't realize that they were about to have a, another great visitor to Coleman County. And it's not yours truly. Donald J. Trump is planning to go to Coleman, Alabama and some of the emergency management officials there in the, I would say, not really north Alabama, but it's not really south, central Alabama. It's kind of right in the middle between north and central, right on Interstate 65 between Birmingham and Huntsville is where you'll find Coleman, Alabama. But the EMA director there, Phyllis Little, is concerned about Trump's forthcoming visit. Now, one of the ways that she's described Trump's visit to Coleman and the challenge it presents is, she says, it's one thing for Leonard Skinner to come to Coleman, but for Trump to come, well, that's a, that's a whole nother thing. As she said of the president's planned August 21st rally in Coleman County, Alabama, not in my tenure at the EMA office have we had anything of this magnitude after the 2011 tornadoes, we had a call indicating there was a possibility of a presidential visit here, but that didn't happen. Beyond that, nothing else really compares. And so, yes, Miss Little is going to have to get ready for, again, a huge rally. And this may be the next Trump rally. I haven't been to his website lately. I know he had some around the 4th of July in Sarasota, and he went out to the CPAC event in Dallas, but it's been a few weeks. He's been kind of hanging out in Bedminster, New Jersey at his golf club there. But if you want to see Trump in his finest, it's when he comes to the Deep South and he's evidently heading to Coleman in late August for a rally right there in the hills of Coleman County, Alabama. I wonder if a guy who has a connection to Coleman County, his mama was from there, I wonder if he's going to show up and maybe play a little music and come out and shake Trump's hand. That would be Bo Cephas, Hank Williams Jr., sort of kind of calls Coleman, Alabama home. And they're going to have an event there called Rock the South at York Family Farms. And that's going to be where Trump will have this rally, the great rally there. I've always thought that if Trump wants to, if he's not going to be in office, he likes for people to, you know, pat him on the back, pat him on the behind, wherever they need to, and stroke his ego well, Alabama, for the most part, loves Donald Trump. 
And he needs to get away from Florida, and he needs to move to a place like Alabama or Tennessee or, or perhaps Mississippi where they went 60%, 70% for him. That would be probably a little bit more welcoming than he's got even in Florida, which that state did go for him, but there's a whole lot more Trumpian mindset in places like Coleman, Alabama. So he, he just might, while he's in the area, look for some good real estate. I'm sure somewhere in Coleman County they can find a spot to pull in a nice triple-wide trailer for Donald J. Trump to hang out in the heart of Dixie. We got more y'all show coming up after the break. We're going to tell you about what's going on in the sports world today. Update from NFL camps and more. All that ahead. Plus, don't forget, we're going to tell you about the Texas Longhorns in just a bit. This is the y'all show. I'm John Rawl, and some sad news from Major League Baseball. And if you happen to be a little boy, early 80s, that's about the time that the whole pitching cage thing started with the radar gun and the pitching machines for kids who wanted to be the next Major League Baseball star. And I vividly remember... There was a brand of pitching machines that you could go in and try to bat. I may be totally butchering what exactly those things were, but it was all in tribute to J.R. Richard, the Houston Astros pitcher. And today, the Astros legend J.R. Richard has died at the age of 71, a two-time National League strikeout champ. His career was cut short in 1980 by a stroke, and he has died today at age 71. In 10 seasons with the Houston Astros, back when they were in the National League, by the way, J.R. Richard was 107-71 and with a 3.15 ERA and had close to 1,500 strikeouts. He had, in 1979, 313 strikeouts. 
But the real thing about Houston Astros great J.R. Richard was he could throw and he could throw with some heat. And that's why those pitching machine type things I'm talking about, those bat, I guess it would be a batting cage now that I think about it. He was such a fast pitcher that every kid wanted to get up there on the mound like he did in that orange and crazy kind of outfit the Astros had at that time and hurl those balls over 100 miles per hour, which I think he was famous for pitching that that fast. But he was a proven winner, although during his tenure there at the Astrodome, the Strohs never won a World Series. J.R. Richard was six foot eight. And he started the 1980 All-Star Game for the NL. And he was known for that 100-mile-per-hour fastball. I wasn't sure if it went any further than 100. But, yeah, he was a force, such a big, tall, lanky guy. And then when you add in all the strikeouts that he was able to amass, he sure was a great – and he was a Southerner at that. Not only pitching and playing for the Houston Astros, he grew up – not all that far from Houston, grew up around Vienna, Louisiana. J.R. Richard was born March 7th, 1950, and he died today again at the age of 71. He played baseball and basketball at Lincoln High School, and that was in Lincoln Parish, Ruston, Louisiana. And his idol growing up was Bob Gibson of the St. Louis Cardinals. And the Astros selected him second overall in the 1969 amateur baseball draft. And that was actually behind the Washington Senators selected Jeff Burroughs, an outfielder, in that 1969 MLB draft. And J.R. Richard later recalled, there were other guys in my high school with as much ability as I had, but instead of working at a job, they wanted to drink wine on Saturday nights They thought that was the thing to do, and consequently, our lives went in different directions. For some people, it takes that to make a world. It does not for me. Well, as I told you, he had a stroke in 1980. And J.R. Richard, now 40 years plus after a stroke that sidelined his career, was able to make the most of his life all these decades later. And I know he's been appearing from time to time around Houston and more. He actually tried to come back in 1981. He went through a rehabilitation program, and he trained with the Strohs and also with the Texas Southern University team. And he got placed on the 40-man active roster back in September. But the manager of the Astros at that time, Bill Verdon, thought that J.R. Richard was not quite ready to get back on the mound, so he didn't play and ended up never playing professionally again and today he died at a Houston hospital and a sad story for Major League Baseball fans this guy who was such a powerful figure at that time in Major League Baseball with his with his arm with his style and maybe it was just those Astros uniforms of that time period that made you always appreciate J.R. Richard and as a guy who remembered him as a player and I don't live in the Houston area, I've always wondered what happened to him. And I I never took the time, sadly, to go do a whole lot of research. And I guess he was somewhat visible, but necessarily 
not necessarily looking for the cameras at all times like a lot of <laughs> former athletes. And in the end, 40 years, 41 years after his stroke stopped his career, J.R. Richards, uh, Richards suddenly today dying at age 71. Our thoughts to the family there and to everybody who remembered him, both as a guy growing up in North Louisiana and then his time spent with the Houston Astros drafted in 1969 and having to his credit all those years with the franchise that started in the 1960s as the Colt 45s in Houston, Texas. So that is what's going on with the news out of the major leagues with J.R. Richard passing away today. Now, we're going to tell you more about the Texas Longhorns in the next segment. That's today's featured school. But there's actually some news coming out of the 40 Acres today, and it comes from the coach of the Horns, Steve Sarkeesian. In his first news conference since Texas officially announced it was going to be going to the SEC, Steve Sarkeesian today said, I didn't take this job blind. We're everybody's biggest game. I think coming out of the SEC move and the talk of what's happened our bullseyes got a lot bigger. We can't be naive to that, whether it's crowd noise, whether it's yelling at us on the bench, whether it's the horns down signal. All those things are really irrelevant to our ability to execute and succeed at a really high level. Again, those are the words of Steve Sarkeesian, the new coach, after he came to the 40 Acres after leading the offense for the Crimson Tide and did a darn good job, by the way, so much so that they got to the national championship here this past year but yes this is going to be Sarkeesian's third time as a head coach as he was coaching the Huskies at Washington and the Trojans at USC before well he got into some things he shouldn't have been doing and ended up being fired at at uh, uh, SC that's what they like to call it of course he also was a coordinator with the Atlanta Falcons for a for a time but now coaching the Texas Longhorns Steve Sarkeesian. So two sports stories right out of the Lone Star State to start off today's Y'all Show. You know what? We're not done talking about the horns. When we come back, stay tuned. We're going to take you to Austin, and we're going to let you know about the 2021 Texas Longhorn schedule. And what maybe, maybe if you're lucky, I'm going to predict the win total for the burnt orange bovines. We'll do that. We'll also tell you more about Sarkeesian's background, and we'll even hear from the new coach of the Texas Longhorns talking about a couple of his players. That is coming right up here on the Y'all Show. If you want to weigh in with your burnt orange love, 803-816-1170 is how you can do it. Y'all talk with a southern accent. Get those horns up. We'll be right back. The South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years. And the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather Labor Day weekend. 
So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's Southern College Football Tour stop. Here's Johnny. All right, if you got a couple of fingers and you're not doing anything with them, take your thumb and move it over to, I guess, your index finger and raise those other fingers up. It's time to get your horns up because here on our 44-city tour across the southeast, we're dropping by Austin, and today it's all about the Texas Longhorns of the Big 12, but soon to be of the Southeastern Conference. Hook them horns. And Texas gets ready for its 2021 season. I'm going to walk through the schedule here, tell you more about Steve Sarkeesian entering his first season on the 40 Acres. The Horns begin the 2021 season at DKR Texas Memorial Stadium. Of course, Daryl K. Royal is the DKR portion of that. And the Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns are the home opener on September 4th. And then it's like a blast from the Southwest Conference as hated rivals Arkansas and Texas. It's Woo Pig and Hook'em Horns getting together at Fayetteville's Reynolds Razorback Stadium on September 11th. And then another Southwest Conference blast as the Rice Owls wind their way up from Houston to Austin for a game on September 18th. The Texas Tech Red Raiders are UT's first Big 12 game. That's on September 25th. And then it'll be real interesting when Texas travels to Fort Worth for the first road game in Big 12 play. And again, this is coming after a couple of days ago, Texas announced they want to divorce. They want to split up from the Big 12 conference. They and OU. And so it's going to be TCU hosting Texas October 2nd. Then the Red River rivalry returns to Dallas on October 9th. It's the Sooners and the Horns from Cotton Bowl Stadium right there near Big Tex. Can't wait for that one each year. Oklahoma State rolls into Austin on October 16th. Then the Horns will be in Waco to take on the Baylor Bears October 30th. They travel to Ames for a game at Iowa State on the 6th of November. It's Rock Chalk KU coming back to Austin. KU nearly beat Texas two years ago in Austin when Les Miles was coaching them. But the Jayhawks now coming in November 13th. Texas will be at West Virginia November 20th. And they wrap up the regular season in Austin against K-State on November 26th. Some news and notes about the current roster on the Texas Longhorns team. Running back Bijan Robinson, a sophomore, was named to the 2021 Walter Camp Football Foundation Player of the Year watch list at the end of last week. Now, three different Longhorns have won this award, and some of those winners include Ricky Williams and Colt McCoy, who actually won it on back-to-back occasions 2008 and 2009. But the latest horn to perhaps walk away with the Walter Camp Football Foundation Player of the Year award, he's on the watch list, Bijan Robinson, very, very talented running back. 
that Sarkeesian has in the backfield. And if he can build on what he did last year, the Tucson native who left Arizona to go be a Texas Longhorn should be quite a force as Sarkeesian looks to rebuild the program. Now, Texas, we talk about rebuilding. This is a proud football program. This is a program that claims four national championships, 1963, 1969, the famous year they went into the Ozarks and defeated the Arkansas Razorbacks when both were in the Southwest Conference, and President Nixon was at that game. They also claimed 1970, and there's no doubt about it, 2005, that great win at the Rose Bowl. They were a winner there with Vince Young behind center and Mac Brown coaching. Texas got their last national championships. Uh, they have claimed 32 conference titles in their history, but it's been a while, and that's why you have Sarkeesian coming back, or coming back to the coaching ranks at least, trying to get Texas back to a conference championship to say the least. Now, Mac Brown did lead them to straight back-to-back conference championships. Well, no, it wasn't back-to-back. 2005-2009, the last time Texas won a conference championship, that 2009 year was the year they went 13-0, and but then they went into a place called the Rose Bowl. Again, this time it wasn't so happy for them, and they ran into Nick Saban's Alabama Crimson Tide, and that's the year Saban won his first title as the Crimson Tide's head coach, and the famous picture of Saban getting doused with the red Gatorade, I guess, and it looks like he's got on a pink shirt, and that shirt, they started selling that. This is how crazy Alabama fans are. They started selling that shirt in Alabama intentionally. Like you could buy a, a, a Alabama coach's shirt that had kind of a pinkish-looking hue to it, all because of the fact that Saban had that thing on when he got doused with Gatorade at the end of the national championship game against Mac Brown's Texas Longhorns. So Texas now in the offseason – they get rid of the previous regime. You know, Tom Herman was going to be the know-all, be-all, end-all for Texas, and that didn't work out. He walks away with a whole bunch of money. In fact, I wonder what happened to him. Where the heck is Tom Herman these days? Actually, I'm going to look it up right this second, and he is the offensive analyst and special projects coach for the Chicago Bears. So he's getting his fill of professional football after being the Texas coach for only three seasons, 17, 18, yeah, four, four seasons, 17, 18, 19, 20, and then gets shown to the curb. And I guess he's still pulling in money from Austin, Texas, since he didn't take a head coaching job maybe in the, in the college ranks. But Tom Herman, he gets thrown out of Austin. Sarkeesian comes in. Sarkeesian, the 47-year-old California native who was once a quarterback – at BYU before playing a few cups of coffee up north in the CFL for the Rough Riders. A guy who's been a head coach at Washington, 2009 to 2013. Then he moved on down to L.A. and was the Southern Cal Trojans coach for a couple of seasons. Got fired from there, primarily for his behavior off the field. And then he ends up going going to H-E-double-you-know-what, and that would be Tuscaloosa. Working for Satan, I mean Saban, <laughs> and was an assistant there for Alabama. First, kind of like a quality control type deal. Then he ends up being a interim offensive coordinator. D- 
did a good enough job there and proved that he wasn't totally a, a basket case, that the Atlanta Falcons brought him on for over a season to be their offensive coordinator. And then he returns back to T-Town and was the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach for Crimson Tide football for two seasons. Did a great job. Alabama won the 2020 national championship. And a roll tide, you lose another assistant. This time, Sarkeesian goes to Texas as the program's latest coach. And a lot of eyes are on Texas football. Again, not just because of the coaching change. It's because of Texas now. They have so many riches in Austin. But one thing, they're having to maybe swallow their pride a bit. they got to look over to College Station to the hated nemesis A&M and say, you know what, Aggies, y'all did the right thing. You did the smart thing when you joined the Southeastern Conference, and we want a part of that. And the SEC just the other day unanimously invited Texas, and now the Horns and Oklahoma both are SEC-bound very, very soon. And so more eyeballs now on Sarkeesian. That's why today he comes out and says that they know they got a target on their back. They're, they get everybody's best game when they suit up in that white and burnt orange uniform. And Sarkeesian is doing his part. A guy coming in from the SEC to step up the Texas football plan, if you will, so that they – get back to at least competing for four conference championships and perhaps even national championships really, really soon. Before all the madness of conference affiliation and switcheroos there, Steve Sarkeesian was proudly at the Big 12 Media Days in Arlington, and we're going to go now and get a clip of the head coach of the Texas Longhorns talking about a couple of his great players and what you can expect from them here entering the 2021 season. Here is the new coach of the Horns, Steve Sarkeesian. Bijan Robinson at, at running back and Keandre Coburn at defensive tackle. Uh, but we've, we've got more than that. Um, we've got you know a, f- a few different DBs. Deshaun Jamison, uh, Josh Thompson have been tremendous. Uh, Jordan Winnington has been tremendous at wide receiver. Christian Jones, Denzel Okafor, uh, Derek Kerstetter. Uh, Man, I feel like I'm leaving people out. David Benda, Demarvion Overshone. I mean, we've got a we've got a great deal of guys that have really stepped up and bought in that were carryovers uh, from the last team. And then we've got this really cool implementation of a couple transfers. And when you look at a Ray Thornton, and you look at a Ben Davis, you look at an OV. I mean, all three of these guys have either won national championships or competed in the college football playoff in the last two years. So they've brought a little bit of a different perspective too. So we've got some really cool leaders on our team that have stepped up, but that have ultimately set the tone to be a conduit to the rest of the team of what it looks like and how we're going to go about our business on a daily basis. And um, I've been very impressed from our, from our leadership committee standpoint of these guys really following our lead from a coaching staff's perspective and, and then being that conduit to the locker room and then onto the practice field of what it needs to look like for us to achieve the level of success that we want to have come the fall. Coach, you didn't mention a quarterback or two in, in that answer a minute ago. Wondering about Casey Thompson and where he is right now in your eyes and a plan going in with apparently two quarterbacks um, vying for the position. Yeah, so when I took over the job, 
uh, I gave everybody a clean slate in our program. And clearly we at the quarterback position, in my opinion, the most important position in sports, have two fantastic players in Casey Thompson and Hudson Card. So we went through uh, installing our offense in, in winter. We went through spring practice. We got 15 spring practices in. Uh, we've had a chance to visit post-spring and, and the things that we need to work on here in the summer. And then we're going to head into training camp. And I just didn't feel like 15 practices was enough to name a guy a starter uh, in a brand new system, a brand new scheme with brand new coaches. I will say it is a little bit of a luxury for me to have two quality quarterbacks like this. Casey Thompson is a guy who been in the program a little bit longer. Uh, everybody remembers what he did in the Alamo Bowl with four touchdown passes in the second half. Very athletic guy, very driven, very focused, uh, high football IQ, great leader. Um, Hudson Card, tremendous passing ability, great instincts of, of, of passing the football. So we're in a good position. But at some point in training camp, I'm going to have to trust my gut and i got to name a starter. And when we do, uh, it's not going to be because the other guy didn't, you know, gave the job up. It's going to, they're going to make it tough on me. And that's what I told them. You guys need to make this decision as hard as you can on me. And because I named one guy the starter doesn't mean we don't need the other one because the other guy's a play away. And in this day and age of college football, to think you're going to go, you know, 13, 14 games all the way throughout a season with one quarterback probably isn't realistic. So we need to develop both of them. Uh, both of them have huge upside. Uh, I love coaching them. And uh, I think we're in good hands at that position. So what does the coach, the current coach of the Texas Longhorns and literature have in common? It would be his name. Steve Sarkeesian was born Stephen Ambrose Sarkeesian back in 1974. The California kid now, after spending a couple of years in Atlanta and being an assistant coach for the great Nick Saban, he is the Texas Longhorns brand new coach, and he gets ready here just a few weeks away from the start of the 2021 season. It's the Raging Cajuns and the Longhorns in that 2021 season opener from DKR Memorial Stadium right on the 40 acres in Austin, Texas. And I know a lot of you are excited to see Texas in the SEC. Coming up in Hour 3, we're going to discuss some of the great traditions and famous alumni, and we'll even hear from Matthew McConaughey, the Horns' number one fan. All that is still to come. Up next after the break, we're going to tell you about PB&J Cobbler. Yeah, what is that? I'll tell you. Stay tuned.
right here I'm at. Welcome back. It's y'all talk with the Southern time. It is peanut butter jelly time as we wrap up this hour one of our Thursday conversation. And with peanut butter and jelly on our mind, we have this segment. It is called hashtag hullabaloo. This is where we go on social media and find some of the darndest things out there, things that make for great conversation, things that make you feel good. And in this case, I think it's something that tastes pretty darn good. And this comes to us courtesy of Taste of the South, and that's at Taste Mag on social media as Taste of the South, preserving the past and celebrating the future of Southern food. And they put out a social media post here the other day. This isn't your ordinary PB&J. We took the classic sandwich combo to a whole new level. Grab the recipe for this sweet cobbler here. And y'all, they have a delicious looking, and I'm waiting for somebody to bring one in here, a delicious tasting PB&J cobbler. A few of the instructions for this PB&J cobbler. you got to preheat your oven to 350 degrees in a large bowl. Hey, you got to stir together the grapes and all that they have there with this recipe. So that's the second recommended instruction there. Got a lot of sugar and flour and lemon juice that you go and put in a big bowl. You bake it for 20 minutes, then you separate the cookie dough according to the package instructions. Pressing the cookies with a fork to form a cross-hatch design. Then you top cobbler with cookies sprinkled with the remaining teaspoon of sugar. Then you bake until the cookies are set and filling is bubbling approximately 30 minutes. Then loosely cover with aluminum foil halfway through cooking to prevent excess browning. And then let stand 15 minutes before serving. And then, and then voila, it's a PB&J cobbler. Go to the website, tasteofthesouth.com and learn more about how to cook this thing. PB&J Cobbler, a great way to send off summer 2021 with this delicious-looking and tasting option. I mean, who doesn't like a PB&J? And here you can have a PB&J Cobbler. Woo! Nelly, as our famous friend Keith Jackson from ABC Sports would once say. Good Georgia boy by the way. Y'all talk with a southern accent. It's going to keep on trucking. we got a whole nother hour coming your way. Stay tuned for headlines as well as entertainment headlines. Some Selena Gomez news and a whole bunch of news coming from Nashville. And we're going to play a little Carly Pierce music, the newest inductee of the Grand Ole Opry. All that ahead, so stay with us. And we're back on Talking About the South. We are y'all, and if you've got a little y'all in your drawl, then you have found the right spot on your radio and podcast dial. For the next, now, two hours, we've got one under our belt, and our belt's getting bigger. Yeah, we are going to continue giving you the latest news and updates coming in from across the 16 southern states, and we'll also fill you in with entertainment news and more. Selena Gomez got some news out of this Texan here to pass along. Da baby, y'all know who the baby is. Well, I'm gonna tell you some the baby news in just a few minutes, and then we're gonna do something really, really, really cool. We're gonna play hot new music. 
Perhaps you haven't heard this anywhere. And we're going to play this, a portion of it, from hot country music starlet Miranda Lambert. And she's got a brand new release that's just come out. And I'm going to play a portion of it here on our entertainment report. We're going to go straight to Music City USA for that. And we're also going to let you hear Carly Pierce's latest big hit. Woo, I love that one. Yeah, Next Girl is the name of that. And the reason we're playing Carly Pierce is because she was just inducted officially into the Grand Ole Opry over the weekend. So congratulations to this beautiful Kentuckian on that great honor. If you want to be part of the Y'all Show here in this second hour, it's very easy to do. All you got to do is pick up your text, your, your text option, your telephone option, and that would usually be an iPhone or some kind of smartphone, and you just punch in the following number. In fact, I would say go ahead and save it. And that number is 803-816-1170. And that's a number you can text or call 24 hours a day, and you can reach right here to us and share with us what's going on in your part of the South. And we are certainly very, very open to any kind of feedback you have from your part of the world, if you've got a good recipe, we just told you in hour one about a PB&J cobbler. Yeah, we are welcoming all kinds of good southernness here on the Y'all Show. We're here to entertain, to educate, to make you feel good, to, to, to make you stop worrying about all this nonsense we all got to worry about. Some of it's actually serious nonsense. In fact, I'm going to tell you a, a sad story coming out of West Memphis, Arkansas, in just a second but yeah we have to be here on this show kind of our role is to lift you up you got enough nonsense and craziness in your life at least when you get a chance to listen to this show we're feeding you full of great information and that's what we aim to do each and every day that we have this program here called the y'all show and we start off this second hour today with a look at some of the headlines coming in across the country And we know about COVID-19, the latest variant, Delta variant, coming in. So many hundreds of thousands of unbelievably awesome Americans and Southerners have lost their lives to this terrible, terrible just pandemic that's been going on for more than a year. And with this latest variant, we're seeing more and more children. Remember, if you're 11 years old and below, you're not even supposed to be getting a vaccine at this point. And in West Memphis, Arkansas, a young 11-year-old has died from COVID complications. Jordan Franklin passed away Monday after her condition deteriorated with just, within just a few hours. A Memphis-area TV station spoke with her family, and they want others to learn from the loss of Jordan, and that's J-O-R-D-Y-N, this young Arkansan who died again from the latest strain of COVID-19 and Kirsten Clark, the aunt of Jordan Franklin saying, hear her voice in a bird's sweet song. And I will never be alone because I know she will always be our guardian angel. Now Jordan attended Jackson wonder elementary school in West Memphis. According to her aunt, she was full of life. She loved everybody was at the top of her class academically And she also had type 2 diabetes, so that's a tough thing to go through as a youngster. And I know lots of great kids across the South have gone through it and are going through diabetes. But unfortunately, this 11-year-old losing her life. They did say that Jordan took precautions to help protect her against the virus. But the aunt, again, saying, wearing the mask, using hand sanitizer, doing the best 
that your parents can do for you will all help out. Now, Jordan's mother didn't initially know that the youngster had COVID-19, but in the end, she ended up going into the hospital, and she died this week at just 11 years old. The family has created a GoFundMe page, and there's also a candlelight vigil in West Memphis, and that's going to be Friday at her elementary school, Jackson Wander Elementary School, and that candlelight vigil Friday is from 6 to 8.30 p.m., If you do go, even if you didn't know this 11-year-old child from Arkansas, you're asked to wear a mask and bring either pink, purple, white, or silver balloons to remember this 11-year-old, just one of, I'm sure, dozens if not hundreds of youngsters who've lost their life here recently to COVID-19, in this case the Delta variant. And let's let Jordan Franklin be a reminder to all of us that this virus knows no Stranger, It will go after the kids and the elderly and the black and the white and the rich and the poor and the Christians and the sinners and everybody across the whole world. So let's keep that in mind. In Fort Bragg, North Carolina, you can do your part to help remember fallen heroes who've died in our country's service over the last 20 years. Remember, September 11th, coming up in just over a month, marks the 20th anniversary of September 11th, 2001. And Fort Bragg is currently collecting military boots to represent the American soldiers killed in the line of duty. If you have a pair of no longer needed, gently used combat boots, you can donate them to the Fort Bragg Army Community Services annual 5K run, and that will feature a field filled with military boots to tribute the nation's fallen heroes. And, honestly, it's for any service member, whether you were in the Navy. I assume our sailors today have some kind of really cool boots they get to wear on the ships. If you're an airman, perhaps you've got some kind of boot. So no matter your service, if you have a pair of military boots, feel free to ship those to Fort Bragg in North Carolina. On August 28th at Hedrick Stadium there at Fort Bragg, there will be this very special time to remember September 11, 2001, there will be the Run, Honor, Remember 5K Memorial Display, and it is open to Department of Defense cardholders and their guests right there at Fort Bragg and North Carolina. And I've already seen some of the early arrivals of them putting the boots and the American flags on display, and it is a touching thing. I bet you they're going to get some boots from the actual people who've died in service to the country. I bet that's going to be part of it. It looks like they will include a photo of you or your loved one, whoever these boots belong to, and they'll throw in a American flag alongside the boot and just a great little description. They're trying to get about 7,500 boots collected for this display at Fort Bragg. Fort Bragg, if you don't know, is the home of the 82nd Airborne as As far as our airborne services, we have the 82nd based at Fort Bragg and Fort Campbell right on the Tennessee-Kentucky line near Clarksville, Tennessee. It is the home of the 101st Airborne. And so I'm sure they're doing stuff similar across the country. But right now, I can tell you for a fact, at Fort Bragg in North Carolina, they are doing a great job of leading this effort to have 7,500 combat boots on display to mark the 20th anniversary of September 11, 2001. If you would like more information, Fort Bragg's Army Community Service 
they have a number you can call them for more details. That number, go ahead and get your pen or paper and, and jot it down. It's 910-396-0384. Again, 910-396-0384. You can call Survivor Outreach Services at that number. As Again, they're looking for military boots to fill a field. Each pair of boots representing a service member who has fallen. They're in need of more boots to help honor all of the fallen heroes. you got to do this. you got to donate them. By the way, even though the event's not till late August, August 13th is the deadline. August 13th is a week from Friday, from tomorrow, for some of you listening. So keep that in mind, and what a great thing they're doing. And Fort Bragg has done a lot of stuff to help out. I, I remember, what, four years ago maybe, they had a baseball, an actual Major League Baseball game at a – Stadium they kind of created out of nowhere, and that was around maybe July 4th or something like that. The Atlanta Braves, I think, were one of the teams that played in that game on a military base. That was something you don't see every day. And so Fort Bragg, their community outreach, continuing to do wonders there in that part of North Carolina and look forward to seeing them get the 7,500 combat boots and remember our great heroes from 20 years ago. I know likely we're going to get sidetracked because of COVID and not do our proper memorials for September 11th and the great heroes who've gone on and served and many died since the War on Terror began. But we're now, again, just days away from that solemn occasion, the 20th anniversary of September 11th. When the Y'all Show returns, we're going to switch over and fill you in on some entertainment headlines on this Thursday. We'll have a little bit of information from DaBaby, Selena Gomez making headlines. We'll let you know about that. And also, we'll tell you about the Suicide Squad's director. More on James Gunn, the Missouri native, the Suicide Squad, out in theaters right now. All that, plus Barack Obama in pursuit of a more perfect union. What is that all about? We'll tell you coming up. here on Talk With a Southern Accent. Welcome back. It's time for a little entertainment news and note. And come and get it right there from Selena Gomez taking you back to 2013 for a song that went three times platinum from Stars Dance. A huge, huge single for this Texas born and raised singer, Selena Gomez. She's 29 years old, the Grand Prairie native, and has been pretty active for now 20 years. As again, she grew up in the North Texas area, Grand Prairie, born to Ricardo Joel Gomez and 
Amanda Dawn Cornett. She was named, of course, after Tejano singer Selena Cantania, who died, was, I think, assassinated back in 1995. And Selena, this Selena Gomez, has had one heck of a career on Disney and more and in music and is truly one of our sort of southern pop stars right now. And she's in the news, the 29-year-old Texan, as she's responding to a tasteless organ transplant joke on the TV show The Good Fight. Gomez tweeting this week, I am not sure how writing jokes about organ transplants for television shows has become a thing, but sadly it has apparently. I hope in the next writer's room when one of their tasteless jokes are presented, it's called out immediately and doesn't make it on air. Her fans got respect Selena Gomez trending last month after the good fight referenced her kidney transplant on the show. Gomez adding on Twitter, my fans always have my back. Love you. She should have put y'all in there. Along with a link to how to sign up to become an organ donor. Now back in 2015 and in 2017, Gomez announced her lupus diagnosis and the singer and actress revealed that she had had a kidney transplant from her close friend, fellow actress Francia Risa, which was needed as a result of her battle with lupus. So Selena Gomez, a lupus survivor and an organ recipient, and way to go to her fellow friend and fellow actress Francia Risa donating a, a kidney to her buddy Selena Gomez. And way to go, Selena. Standing up for all the kidney donors. Something that, again, often isn't spotlighted. We kind of take it for granted in some cases. All the people who donate, the people willing to donate. I mean, it takes guts just to be on somebody's list of a donee, or if that's even a word. But, yeah, a lot of people need kidneys and other organ transplants. And you don't have to be a cadaver to help out. You don't have to give your life to help somebody. You can perhaps be matched for a kidney transplant with someone and you could truly be an angel right here on earth and and selena today in the news because of her standing up to the organ donors and how that whole process works kudos to the grand prairie starlet the baby is apologizing for inflammatory comments now this is a kind of a rapper if you will He's had a bunch of mixtapes come out through the years. He got really famous back in 2019 with his debut studio album, Baby on Baby, that went all the way to number seven on the Billboard 200. But this Ohio-born Charlotte, North Carolina, sort of reared, if you will, rapper, singer, songwriter, born Jonathan Lindell Kirk, Captain Kirk, the 29-year-old rapper, now apologizing for the faults and disparaging comments he made about gay men and HIV at a recent performance at the Miami Music Festival. The move comes days after those comments were largely condemned by prominent musicians as well as members of the LGBTQ community and allies. And the baby, the rapper, goes on Instagram this week and says, I want to apologize to the LGBTQ plus community for the hurtful and triggering comments I made. Again, I apologize for my misinformed comments about HIV, AIDS, 
and I know education on this is important. Among the big stars that spoke up against what the baby said, Elton John, Madonna, Dua Lipa, Questlove were among those speaking out against the comments. And these were again made during his set, the baby set at the Rolling Loud Music Festival in Miami, and that was in July. After making those comments and after a lot of backlash came his way, the baby actually initially stood by those comments. Before apologizing in the statement, DeBaby criticized those who held him accountable for his remarks. But the Charlotte, North Carolina resident native now with uh, something on his face as he's having to apologize for some bad things said in front of everybody. And you're there in Miami. That was pretty dumb. I'm not saying it's smart to say it anywhere, but as far as places that probably have a sizable LGBTQ plus community, I would say probably around South Beach in Miami would be one of them. And this guy goes into the lion's den and, and says it. But in today's world, of course, those members of that community are everywhere. And even if they're not everywhere, everybody's got telephones with cameras and they're probably recording and they're going to bust you. So if you're a, it doesn't matter if you're a rapper like the baby or you're a nobody like me or perhaps you're a nobody yourself, you don't say things like that and you don't say them in public and you don't say them up on a stage. <laughs> the baby with a, a valuable lesson perhaps learned there. James Gunn is a Hollywood director and he's also a former musician. Did you realize that? The 55-year-old St. Louis native, an alumnus of St. Louis University, go Billikens. He is the man behind the latest movie that's out in theaters, The Suicide Squad. And that's got a lot of somewhat familiar names in it. And I know he's been on a little bit of a media tour promoting this thing. And James Gunn, the director... Of the it's the Suicide Squad. It's not just suicide. It's the Suicide Squad is out promoting it, and he is a guy that maybe you should be kind of in the know on. The St. Louis native, born to an attorney father, raised in St. Louis and Manchester, Missouri. He was part of a band in St. Louis, the Icons. He was the lead vocalist, and then. Somehow he switched over to film and TV work. And his first major Hollywood screenplay was Scooby-Doo back in 2002. And he's gone on to do other great film work through the years. He wrote and directed Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, which came out in 2017. And then he was hired to do The Suicide Squad and has kind of taken that under his belt. I'm a little surprised. Again, I saw him recently on some of the late-night talk shows alongside his cast of the Suicide Squad, and that cast includes Margot Robbie, also John Cena, Sylvester Stallone is in this movie, Viola Davis. The Suicide Squad, out right now. It's a superhero film based on the DC Comics team Suicide Squad and Missouri native... James Gunn directing this effort if you have a chance to go see it in a theater near you. 
Barack Obama in pursuit of a more perfect union. This looks back on the former president's life and legacy, and it is timed to come out right when Obama is celebrating his 60th birthday. And I think his birthday was is this week. I know his supposed birth certificate was signed on August 8, 1961. So usually it takes a couple of days after your birth certificate signed. So it would be somewhere around August 3rd or 4th or 5th. Some, sometime this week, Obama has his 60th birthday. He's still got five more years to work before he can retire. So I don't know what he's thinking. But, yes, Netflix is teaming up to produce this Obama in pursuit of a more perfect union, which looks back at his life and this documentary, which is airing, is out right now as he's producing this thing. And also you have Michelle Obama with Becoming. They need to form their own network. They need to go over to Oprah's house and get some tips on how she launched OWN. And perhaps Barack and Michelle will have their own Obama network. That would be a great name. The Obama Network on O-N. Obama Network. And you could always say, hey, go watch it. It's on. It's on. And maybe they'll even have some sports coverage on the Oprah, not Oprah, on the Obama network. And I still have the biggest laugh of Obama, Mr. Basketball. Remember when he would do his picks when he was president of the NCAA tournament? And he was Mr. Basketball. He loves basketball, loves shooting. And I remember one time somebody went and followed him at the White House gym, and he did a couple of shots. He couldn't make a basket. He couldn't hit the easy ones. So I'm not sure what kind of training he's got going on. Some of his NBA friends need to come help him out. But maybe his game has improved since he left the White House. But Barack Obama and Obama in pursuit of a more perfect union. And this is an HBO production. And it is either out or coming out soon. And you can learn a whole lot more. In case you didn't already know about the 44th president, It'll be out soon, and I bet you there's not going to be one single controversial or gotcha-type reporting in this presentation. It will be a glorification, if I had to guess, and I bet you they'll never do one on his successor, the good folks at HBO. That's just a just a wild guess here coming from yours truly. That will wrap up our entertainment action here, but we're not totally done from an entertainment lens. Stay tuned. When we come back, I'm going to play Next Girl, the latest hit song from Carly Pierce. We're going to give you some great info on this Kentucky starlet and what happened to her over the weekend. It was a fantastic honor for Carly. And we're also in the next segment, as we focus on some of our country music news and notes, we're going to take you to the latest, I mean, hot off the press single from Miranda Lambert. Oh, the East Texas girl. She's got one heck of a song called Tequila Does, and I'm going to play you a portion of it, and I'll let you weigh in. If you like it, in fact, I'm going to open up the line. I'm going to play a portion, and and y'all can kind of text or call me and say, hey, that's a number one for Miranda, or that that one's terrible. On next. All that's coming up next. Stay tuned to y'all.
obsessed, went crazy on him That's just what he does But once upon a time I was the next girl I've been where you're at You overlook a lot when he looks like that A charm your mama with that smile Hide the red flags for a little while I bet you probably met him at a bar Let him walk you to your car, I bet Man, I love that little part on that song, the little dramatic pause. Next girl, Carly Pierce. How in the world did that song not go to number one? It, it evidently has it. Maybe it's still wait, making its way up the chart. But I've got it peaking at 16 on the airplay chart. What's going on? Of course, that song followed her great duet she had out with Lee Bryce I hope you're happy now that one did go to number one and they got a whole bunch of honors Carly Pierce of course she's a singer known for several big songs every little thing was a number one for her she also had a pretty big song in Hide the Wine and Next Girl out from Carly Pierce well Carly bless your heart bless your little Kentucky heart Carly Pierce from Taylor Mill, Kentucky, 31 years old is Carly Pierce, and what a career she's got going on, and you know it's a heck of a career, first of all, when you get asked by Dolly Parton to be a part of the club, but then you actually get into the club, and over the weekend, Jeannie Seeley and Trisha Yearwood teamed up to welcome in Carly Pierce. Kentucky's own. She's got the Kentucky tattoo right on her arm. And she is the Grand Ole Opry's latest inductee. A fantastic honor for Carly Pierce. She was introduced by her mentor, which was Opry legend Jeannie Seeley. And she ended up, after the introduction, performed I Hope You're Happy Now, that big song she had with Lee Bryce. And then she ended up just having a great, great performance. And together, Tricia, Jeannie Seeley, and Carly harmonized on Making Believe by Kitty Wells. That was that big song from Kitty Wells back in the 50s. Kitty Wells, who was a bigger star in country music and was the star, the star from a female perspective, maybe the first superstar female singer and then Patsy Cline came around, and then Loretta Lynn and Tammy Wynette and more. But if you go back and look at country music history, it was Kitty Wells who was really one of those first big stars. And those three this past weekend, Tricia, Jeannie Seeley, Carly, all getting together for Making Believe. Good song. And great job, Carly Pierce, being inducted. And as I referenced, she was asked to be a member. If you didn't see that video, we talked about it. Oh, a couple of weeks ago here on the Y'all Show, Dolly Parton surprised her. Carly Pierce once worked at Dollywood in East Tennessee for Miss Dolly, and Dolly tricked her into doing some kind of promotional video for Dollywood, but actually what it was, it was a setup, and it was a way for Dolly to show up and in person ask Carly Pierce to be the Grand Ole Opry's latest inductee. 
So go find that video out there. What a awesome thing for both of those lovely ladies. The 31-year-old Carly Pierce and the now 75-year-old Playboy poser. <laughs> Say If you know that story recently, Dolly dressed up in a Playboy bunny outfit for her husband. And I think there's even photos. But what a what a career. In fact, speaking of Dolly, she's been named a Forbes 2021 list of America's richest self-made women. And Dolly comes in, I can't believe it's not more than this, according to Forbes magazine, Dolly has a value of $350 million. According to Forbes, they noted in a year when most of the music industry slowed down, the country singer and co-owner of the amusement park, Dollywood, was busier than ever. She wrote a song inspired by her experience during the pandemic, released her first holiday album in 30 years, and she also starred in a Netflix film, Christmas on the Square. Arguably her most important contribution, a $1 million donation that helped fund Moderna's coronavirus vaccine research. And they did that at Vanderbilt Medical Center in Nashville. And that's why there was that funny story of Dolly going in and getting her vaccination. And she said she was getting a dose of her own medicine. And she really was. (laughs) And that's why, not to try to preach to you, but I actually am a fan of the Moderna vaccine because of Dolly Parton. So if if you're on the fence wondering... Should I go get a vaccine or not? Remember, if you at least get that Moderna vaccine, in some ways you're tipping your cap or, 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 or other metaphors you could use to Dolly Parton. And I guess the $350 million item that I'm telling you about, about Dolly Parton, might just be for her 2021 work. She might be worth $350 billion, frankly, But according to Forbes, the list of the richest self-made women, Dolly Parton's on there with a $350 million price tag. Not a bad gig for the lady from Sevierville and, what is that, Sevier County in East Tennessee? And I just made my first trip there in a long time a couple of months ago, and I saw the Dolly Parton statue right there on the courthouse square of Sevier County in Sevierville. And it's a it's a great thing. It is a beautiful thing, frankly. Now from the happy of Dolly to the sad of Las Vegas. And a friend of mine was on stage, Stormy Warren, when the shots rang out back in 2017, Labor Day weekend, I think it's when it was. No, it was actually October 1st of 2017 when that awful shooting happened at MGM Resorts in Las Vegas and... It was part of the Route 91 Harvest Music Festival. 60 people were killed due to this mass shooting back in 2017. And MGM Resorts is donating land for a Route 91 Harvest Music Festival memorial. And my friend Stormy did survive. You actually can hear him on Sirius XM. He's one of the voices. I'm sure if you're a country music fan, you know who I'm talking about. He and I work together. All Music Rose some years ago. And I actually saw him after this music festival, and I didn't even bring it up. I mean, how can you? This guy saw 60 people get killed, and he survived. But MGM Resorts now on that very valuable piece of property, they realize what it is. It's, it's a memorial. 
for 60 souls, no reason should their lives have come to an end. It, what should have been an incredibly happy occasion with people like Jason Aldean on stage and more giving these fans of country music a, a treat. And now, in the end, some four years later, we're going to have a memorial erected there in Vegas for these 60 souls. Tim McGraw and his wife, Faith Hill, are going to star in a prequel to Yellowstone. It's called 1883. McGraw and Hill will portray James and Margaret Dutton in this project, created by Taylor Sheridan. Again, this is a prequel to the Emmy-nominated series Yellowstone, as Faith and Tim are going to star alongside... (laughs) This is worth the price of admission right here. They're going to star alongside Sam Elliott. In a Paramount Plus original series, what a great, great actor. And I can't believe Sam Elliott, as Southern and as cool as he is, is not a Southerner. He, he's got kind of a Southern twang to his dialect, but he's a dadgum Californian. He is from Sacramento, and he's about to turn 70 Seven years old in a week. August 9th is Samuel Pack Elliott's birthday. And now this guy is not a Southerner, but boy, he has a, he has one heck of a career. And it's been in, I mean, I guess I could open it up. What is your favorite Sam Elliott movie? I saw one the other day that I thought would have been a lot more hilarious. And it was not. It was definitely not. The Big Lebowski I don't know why that's kind of a cult favorite, but I didn't think it was all that funny. Maybe it was not supposed to be funny, as Elliot stars in there in a Coen Brothers film alongside Jeff Bridges and more. And that 1998 film, to me, wasn't all that funny. John Goodman also in that one. And and in that movie, Sam Elliott's got the kind of cowboy western theme going on in that one. His latest work for a film was A Star is Born. Yeah, now that, I saw that one recently. And I don't know much about Lady Gaga, but that's a great movie. If you get a chance, check out A Star is Born and see Lady Gaga and her real talent. Again, I'm not probably going to go rush out and buy her latest record, but she and Bradley Cooper together in that one. Quite, quite a combination. But we're here now mostly talking about country music, y'all. So let me get away from Lady Gaga and Sam Elliott to tell you about Lee Bryce. He's got a brand new track out called Farmer, and it is going to debut at the Farm Progress Show, the South Sumter. How about you, Sumter, South Carolina's Lee Bryce, the Clemson football alumnus. I think he was the long snapper back during the Tommy West era. Tommy West went on from Clemson to ultimately be the Memphis Tigers coach. You hear that, Niles? And, yes, Lee Bryce, now a country music superstar, and he's going to be part of this Farm Progress show, and he's going to put out this new song called Farmer. And if you are a farmer or you're a supporter of farming, I can't wait to hear this song when it comes out. I don't know if it's going to be a – big push at radio to make this a big song and single for them but it's been a while since 
Lee Bryce put out a song. One of them girls came out April of 2020, and it was the lead single to his fifth studio album called Hey World. That song, one of them girls, spent three weeks at number one. And now it's time for some Lee Bryce new music, and I can't wait. And usually if Lee Bryce has anything to do with a song, it's going to be good. Now, Lee Bryce, I remember watching something not long ago. Lee Bryce, I don't think, is from a farm family over in Sumter, South Carolina. His daddy runs an electrical company or some kind of like light installation company. I remember seeing a show where Lee went up in one of these big giant lifts and helped re- replace lights at like a football stadium or something like that. Scary work. Perhaps even scarier than being a country music star. Perhaps being scarier than driving a tractor all day is to go up high on one of these lifts and replacing lights and all that. I mean, if you have one of those jobs and you're up in those lifts and you're going high in the air, I saw a guy not long ago, probably 40 feet off the air, pressure washing something. And that takes guts. I hope you get a lot of money doing something like that. If the Fast food jobs now have moved up from like $8 to $15 in the last three or four months, like many of them have had to do. I'm all for those who truly have a job that you could be kilt any second, getting as much money as you possibly, possibly can. And lastly, as we wrap up our entertainment of country music, at least here in this hour of y'all talk with the Southern accent, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. We have a brand new single that has just come out in the last few hours from our Lindell, Texas lady, Miranda Lambert. And I am excited about this because just like Lee Bryce, Miranda often puts out wonderful music. And she's had several, several big songs of late. And as a guy who remembered Miranda and her daddy Rick and her mom Bev, I got to hang around them a little bit when she was first coming out. A lot of her music through the years, have it's been okay, but it hasn't been great. She's had, in my opinion, about three songs that were just fantastic. The rest are, hmm, eh, they're pretty good. But they're not like, oh my God, I got to hear that one again. But she's kind of on the trend upward with her music selection. And I got to give credit, perhaps it, it might be her hubby. How about Brendan McLaughlin? That is Miranda's very well-built specimen if you will of a husband and he was in her most recent music video that you might have seen and that was a great song miranda hound out earlier this year and now she's following that up with a another hot song and i'm going to again play that one for you in just a second but brandon who appeared in her previous music video he's in this hot i mean hot 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 off the press video that i'm going to play a portion of the song in a second But this guy used to be, I think, a New York City police officer. And somehow or another, he ended up becoming the husband of Miranda Lambert. And Miranda's got this brand new song. She and this former officer, Brendan, got married back in 2019. They've been married over two years now. And so what a nice, I mean, that doesn't happen often that if you're a big star like Miranda, having a marriage lasts more than a couple of days. And here she is over two years on this marriage, of course, previously married to a guy named Blake Shelton. And in the last music video she had out called Settling Down, Brandon, her current husband, 
was right there. They were riding that horse. If you saw the music video, it's a beautiful, beautiful video and a great song, Settling Down, a song that Miranda had a hand in writing. She, Luke Dick, and Natalie Hemby all co-wrote this song that was out on RCA Nashville. And so we follow Settling Down with another song and another appearance by Brendan McLaughlin, Mr. Miranda Lambert. The song is called Tequila Does. Brandon's in this new music video, Shirtless. She, He is shirtless in this one. And I guess he did such a good job in the previous one that they're going to let him keep on appearing in Miranda Lambert's music videos. But together, if you see the music video, you'll see the McLaughlins, Mr. and Mrs. Brendan McLaughlin together. You can also call her Miranda Lambert. And we're going to go in now and give y'all a treat because that's what we try to do here on the show that's all about the South. We are kind of an ambassador of all things great and all things Southern. And Miranda Lambert is a really great Southerner. She's a proud Texan, but she is a proud Southern girl. And right now on the Y'all Show is a very special treat on this Thursday. I'm going to let you hear the earliest or early portions of this brand new song, Tequila Does, from Miranda. And weigh in. If you like it, if you hate it, I don't care. Either way, text us at 803-816-1170 and tell me if this is your new favorite song or if this is just absolute garbage. But it ought to be a good one. Again, it's Miranda Lambert and Tequila Does here on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Take it away, girl. His last name was Flores. He came up from Juarez looking for a hell of a time. With a blind senorita and a tone margarita, we danced on the bar all night. There was it adios, Casamigos is taking me home tonight. Cause he don't love me like tequila does. That is brand new, hot off the press from RCA Nashville and Miranda Lambert and Tequila Does. What do y'all think? I've got two numbers for you to call in with your thoughts on that song and or anything else regarding Miranda Lambert or anything, frankly, involving y'all. 
our numbers, 803-816-1170. And we have a Victory Honda text line, 731-410-7560. 731-410-7560 if you want to call that line and weigh in on Tequila Does. As we're here on the Y'all Show broadcasting on awesome radio stations. And if you're just tuning us in, we are a show that is available for you each and every day. And we put a little southern twist on all things going on. And here you've been listening to a little country music news straight out of Nashville. We've got more sports talk coming in hour three. Other headlines across the southeast. And we just do it all. And we're here to serve all y'all. Stay tuned. Melissa is going to be dropping by with a southern accent on business. Miss Rhodes, take it away after the break. Enjoy the rest of Miss Miranda. Lifeline Voice and Data, with our virtually unbreakable network, already provides the most secure and reliable phone and fiber internet to emergency services such as 911 dispatch centers, police and fire departments. And now, we also provide the same unbeatable service for your business. If your phone and internet service are essential to your business, call Lifeline today at 731-427-0301. Because at Lifeline Voice and Data, we don't just provide a phone line. We provide a lifeline. Call Lifeline Voice and Data today for the business VoIP telephone service everyone is talking about. If you have multiple locations, we can save you even more with our unified system. Ask about our 4G LTE cellular backup so your business will never miss a beat. Finally, a voice and data company based in Tennessee. Call 731-427-0301. There's no shame in admitting you have a problem. There's no shame in asking for help. There's no shame in addiction. Only the hope of a new life in recovery. Resources are available for people struggling with opioid addiction. If you or a loved one needs a referral to addiction treatment, call the Jackson Madison Prevention Coalition, 731-694-0741. This project is funded by a grant for the Tennessee Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services. Fantastic Sam's in Jackson is one of the world's largest full-service hair salon franchises. Fantastic Sam's offers haircuts, coloring, highlights, straightening, texturizing, updos, and facial waxing. Fantastic Sam's lively brand spirit offers attainable beauty that is trending now with easy access to salons at a fantastic price. Fantastic Sam's, 105F Stonebrook Place in Jackson. Call or come in, 664-7376. Fantastic Sam's, always be fantastic. This is WTJS, Alamo, Jackson, News Talk, West Tennessee. Southern Accent. Here's the Business South update from y'all.com. I'm Melissa Rhodes. Research Triangle Institute, trading as RTI International, is a nonprofit organization dedicated to improving the human condition. It is headquartered in the Research Triangle Park in North Carolina. In fact, it was the Research Park's first tenant in 1958. 
Today, RTI's work provides research and technical services across the globe. More than 5,000 employees work for the $1 billion nonprofit. Our data analytics and mobile technologies help us create safer streets for communities and for those who protect them. We're also innovating new tools and techniques for disaster preparedness and crisis management. And we're working towards a healthier future for societies dealing with HIV and other epidemics, helping the elderly get the care they need, and providing a voice for those who suffer silently with mental illness. Business news, headlines, and more at y'all.com. If you and that was very good information from Melissa Rhodes. How about that? The research triangle in North Carolina. Hey, they actually do business and do research there. How about that? Fantastic information. Coming up on our Friday edition, Melissa is going to give us a southern accent on southern sports. So make sure you stick around for the fun from her come Friday. Hey, stick around for the fun that's coming up in the third hour of our little conversation about the Southeast. We've got more sports news to pass along. We'll be telling you about the traditions and famous alumni of the University of Texas and Texas ex Matthew McConaughey. We'll be hearing him inspire the Longhorn football team. Plus more headlines and info on festivals. This is y'all. We're back for the final hour of our discussion about Dixie. Hello, I'm John Rawl, and if you're proudly a resident or a fan or you're from any of these 16 states, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, Missouri, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West by golly, Virginia. Hey, this is for y'all, man, our, our ladies. This is your show. This is about what's going on here in the South. And we are standing up for the South. And we are just tickled that you would take some time out to listen to us here on Talk with a Southern Accent. General John Rawl, CSA. That It means I'm a certified Southern American. And I'm going to be with you for this final hour as we walk through what's going on across the Southeast here. We've got a sports update. Some news from Major League Baseball. J.R. Richard has passed away. You might remember him, a Houston Astros pitcher from back in the late 70s and 1980 season as well. He has died. I'll let you know about that. Some NFL news and notes to pass along as well. We'll take you to Austin, Texas, as today on the Y'all Show, our latest stop on our 44-city tour of great colleges and great college towns and traditions and famous alumni and more. We're going to take you to the 40 acres and get your hook'em horns sign up because it's all about the Big 12 and soon-to-be SEC member, Texas. Woo! How about them horns? We're going to tell you about the traditions. We're going to walk through a list of all the great alumni that have called UT. Oh, that makes some people in Tennessee mad. UT, that is where we'll be going, the one in Austin, And today, Texas is our spotlight school as we're on a 44-city tour. Hey, I want to tell you that on Friday's Y'all Show, we're going to be taking you today from the capital city of the state of Texas. Some might call it the Republic of Texas. We're going to be going from Texas tomorrow. We're going to be taking you to the state capital of North Carolina. It's the NC State Wolfpack, and they're our featured school as we close out this week's tour across the southeast But today, it's all UT, the horns. 
and that's coming up in the next segment. We have other headlines across the South that we'll be sharing with you here this hour. And then it's always fun as we wrap up our Thursday show to take a little time and tell you about some of the great festivals taking place across the Southeast. If you don't have your plans all worked out for this weekend, I've got some great festivals and concerts and more, and we'll squeeze in a few of those before we get out of here later this hour. Our telephone number is 803-816-1170. That's a number you can text or call. Our website is y'all.com. Did you realize that website is the South's homepage? And if you go there, and I encourage you, I highly encourage you to go to y'all.com. You can go there and find this show, the Y'all Show. We have our podcast edition available for you to listen to. We have done a lot of video interviews, and so you can go watch it. You can watch yours truly hosting many great interviews, and I really appreciate all the great interviewees that we've been able to track down. And we got a lot more coming. So y'all is kind of like going down to your favorite Goodwill store. You just never know what you're going to find when you go in there. And that's what you're going to have when you experience the Y'all Show and y'all.com. And I want to also take a moment to tell you we're available in podcast form, not just at y'all.com, but you can find us now on Spotify. We're on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app. We're on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts, too. And please go, if you would do me a small Southern favor, and like or follow or forward, if that's an option, any of those podcast options. If you like what you're hearing, we need your help. We need you to tell people. We need you to share it. And and we highly encourage you to, to do that because there's nobody out there that I'm aware of doing what we do here, and there's nobody like you, the listeners, that are doing what you're doing, and that's kind of joining the fun of having a show devoted to a region. We could bore you with all of your local city government and gossip that goes on in your local communities. We could bore you with another national talk show that constantly is either praising Joe Biden or bashing Joe Biden or praising Donald Trump or bashing Donald Trump or any of the other political figures of our community. We could be playing a lot of music, which most radio stations, frankly, that's all they do is play music nonstop. But we're different. We're, we're, we're very different. We kind of have a deep fried twist to everything, and that's why we hope that you're enjoying it. And if you are, I think, I bet you, there's other people you know that would appreciate knowing that we exist. So all I'm asking is to be a good fellow Southerner and share, 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 and let people know about the Y'all Show broadcasting each and every day three hours of Southern conversation. As I referenced at the start of this hour, the six foot eight pitching star of the 1970s and, and the 1980s season as well, J.R. Richard, a native of North Louisiana, the Astros Hall of Fame starting pitcher J.R. Richard has passed away at age 71. J.R. Richard had quite a start in his professional baseball career. He could pitch 100 miles per hour. He stood as an imposing figure out on the mound at the old Astrodome in Houston. Here, here's a guy that was one of the real stars of Major League Baseball at a time where many of their stars were fading or had already faded 
those great players from the 50s and 60s had already stopped playing ball by the time 1979 and 1980 came around. And the Vaina, Louisiana native, J.R. Richard, who was chosen in the 1969 amateur baseball draft, chosen second, actually, behind the Washington Senators' choice of outfielder Jeff Burroughs, he got a chance to go on and play baseball, and his career with the Astros lasted from 71 until 1980. In fact, his career came to a halt when he had a stroke in 1980. And now the news coming out today, this great Houston Astros pitcher, J.R. Richard, James Rodney Richard, no S on the end of his name, has died at age 71, died in Houston. His win-loss record throughout his major league career, 107 to 71. Had close to 1,500 strikeouts in a career that he was a 1980 All-Star and also was a two-time NL strikeout leader. Remember, until a few years ago, the Houston Astros were members of the National League. But he ended up having a stroke, and that cut his career short. Absolutely cut his career short. In fact, it was on July 30th of 1980 that J.R. Richard suffered a stroke and collapsed while playing a game of catch before an Astros game. And he was rushed to a hospital for emergency surgery to remove a life-threatening blood clot in his neck. That blood clot and subsequent stroke ended his major league career at the age of 30. Here's a guy who's, as a pitcher, his arm was fine. But that stroke, man, just just a terrible thing. And if you were around back in that 1980 season, you remember when that happened. As I referenced earlier in the show, J.R. Richard was really baseball's big thing. I would say Richard, some of those guys that got to be famous, I would say after maybe the Pete Rose era of players kind of faded, even though Pete Rose, I think, was still playing in 1980. But his star had faded. The big red machine had faded by that time. In 79, I guess that was right when Richard was big time playing. That was the year the Pittsburgh Pirates won the World Series. And those guys like Stargell, they could have ascended to be super, superstars, but they only had that one World Series. And the Pirate ship kind of sank not long after that 79 season. And then you come up into 80, and that was a decade of the 80s where you had numerous teams. There wasn't really a dynasty, in my opinion. And J.R. Richard with the Astros got a lot of press. Again, with a 100-mile-per-hour pitch, you, you kind of get a lot of press. But a lot of people thought this guy was unstoppable. And it was a stroke that got him off the mound. And he ended up having a – a long life. I mean, in 1980, that was over 40 years ago. He lived beyond having the stroke that ended his playing career. But today, the Vaina, Louisiana native, that's in Lincoln Parish near Ruston. is where he is originally from. The Houston Astros great pitcher has passed away at age 71. Now to some NFL news. Forbes has come out with an article an average value of NFL franchises. And according to Forbes, the average value up 14% despite revenues drop. 
the most valuable franchise, take a guess, anybody, Bueller, for the 15th straight year, the Dallas Cowboys are valued as the most expensive franchise, $6.5 billion. And compared to 2020, the boys went up in value $800 million. Despite all of his loudmouth ways and his maybe totally inept leadership of a franchise ways, Got to give Jerry Jones credit. He's in the business to make money, right? And he's making plenty of buck as Dallas Cowboys owner, even though his teams haven't got to a Super Bowl lately. (laughs) And how about the Dallas Cowboys? They, again, haven't been in a Super Bowl in over 25 years. But they are the most valuable NFL franchise. You can go to any corner of the South, whether you're right there on the outskirts of Dallas or you can go to Dallas County in Georgia or Alabama where Selma is, or you can go to somewhere in Virginia, anywhere in Tennessee, and you're going to see cowboy stuff everywhere. I mean, they, they, they're devoted. Cowboys and Steelers are your, your top franchises. In fact, breaking news, y'all, do you know what? Today is, speaking of the boys and the steel curtain, today, August 5th, 2021, is the start of football for 2021. We've got NFL preseason action from the Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton, Ohio. It's the Steelers and the Dallas Cowboys kicking off 8 Eastern, 7 Central on Fox. Football is back. It's preseason. I, I know that. But actually, this is a game that hasn't been played in quite some time. Remember, 2020 got canceled because of COVID. A couple of years ago, this Canton game, first preseason game, got canceled because of turf conditions. And now, and unless they change it before letting me know this, you got preseason football, Cowboys and Pittsburgh Steelers, 8 Eastern, 7 Central. Now, that, that's great news. Back to the Cowboys. They, again, are the most valuable franchise. The Patriots are at number two, valued at $5 billion. The New York football giants coming in third, followed by the Rams. The Washington football team, they don't have a nickname, but they got quite a standing in terms of value. $4.2 billion for Mr. Mr. and Mrs. I should leave her out, Mr. and Mrs. Snyder the owners of that one. I'm trying to find out any of our southern teams where they fall. I do know the Buffalo Bills have the lowest value, $2.27 billion. In fact, did y'all see what I saw the other day? I don't know how legitimate the story was, but there's some speculation now going on that the Buffalo Bills could end up leaving Buffalo and taking their their wagon, even though nobody circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills, but evidently there's talk about Buffalo relocating and a likely destination is Austin, Texas. Is that is that possible? Is that feasible? They got this big, nice dome in San Antonio, but Austin is where I saw uh, as a real possibility for a Bills lo- relocation if that were to happen. I talked to a person who works for an NFL team just the other day and when it comes to NFL franchises 
they told me, I asked them, this is a person that has gone more than once to the game in London and worked it as an employee of an NFL franchise. And I said, is that a possibility that there will be an NFL team in Europe one day? And he said, oh, yeah, it's, it's going to happen. Now, again, this person wasn't league owner and the league commissioner, but he has worked nearly 20 years in the NFL, and he has no problem playing in London as a guy who has to travel with the team. And so look for the – I mean, if the SEC is going to go from 14 to 16 teams, why would the NFL not go to 34 teams or 40 teams, for goodness sakes? I'm ready for another team to come to one of our big, massive cities. For example, Atlanta. Atlanta could have two different teams if they really wanted to. Heck, Memphis, which has been long kind of cast to the back, they could finally get a team if they really wanted to. You have Louisville as a possibility for an NFL franchise and other teams who've lost teams. St. Louis, I know they did the best they could do in a really bad situation with their owner essentially leaving them for the bright lights of Tinseltown. But as far as values, though, nobody's going to be – maybe that's where they need to go, Dallas. You could have an NFL team in Fort Worth, for example. The Fort Worth – not Cowboys, but the Fort Worth – I I tell you, this would be really cool for all the gamers. Fort Worth Fortnite. Because isn't that in a video game? The Fortniters. That would be a maybe a, a more valuable team than even the Dallas Cowboys, America's team, supposedly. That's what's going on sports-wise across the Southeast today. We're not done, though. We're going to switch over and tell you a little college football news and notes. After the timeout, stay tuned. We're going to tell you about the famous alumni, more about the university, and the great traditions of the Texas Longhorns. That's ahead. We'll even hear from Matthew McConaughey. Mr. Texas Longhorn. He went and inspired his football team not long ago. I'm going to let you hear from Coach McConaughey. All that's ahead right here on Talk with a Southern Accent. Our text line, 803-816-1170. We'll be right back. The Y'all Show is on the road and stopping by 44 of the South's great college football towns as we get y'all ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. Tailgates, traditions, fight songs. Can you feel the excitement? Here's Y'all Show host John Rawl to fire y'all up with today's great Southern College Football Showcase. And to the 40 acres we go because today... We're in Austin, Texas, as the Horns are our latest stop on our 44-city escapade across Dixie, getting you ready for the start of college football season. Again, as I just told you a few minutes ago, today is the start of the NFL preseason season. It's the Steelers and Cowboys. Hey, it'll be just a couple of hours before you know it, and we got college football up and going and when college football is up and going in just a handful of days you're going to get to hear and feel the power of the texas longhorns as the horns get those horns up they are our latest stop enjoy the mighty sound of texas
the University of Texas at Austin. Some people call it UT Austin. A lot of people call it just UT. That kind of confuses people. Oh, around Knoxville, Tennessee, perhaps. But UT Austin is a public research university founded in 1883. And right now, Texas has an enrollment of around 50,000 students there on the Austin campus, the sprawling 40 acres, if you will, and this great asset to the state of Texas right in the state capital has produced so many of the Lone Star State's leaders and leaders in this country, throughout the entire country, frankly. But the University of Texas is our latest stop on our tour. Of course, for those who were roughly 55 years old or more, maybe 60-ish, you might remember an awful scene from the University of Texas. It was back almost 55 years ago exactly, August 1st. 1966, that's when Charles Whitman killed 14 people from that tower, that famous tower on the Texas campus. It's actually called the Tower, which was built in 1937. It stands 307 feet tall, and often it's kind of donned in the Texas burnt orange color. But that a ugly scene in the University of Texas's history. But, of course, this campus, the 40 acres, actually is now 423 acres right in central Austin. And Austin, one of the south's growing cities, we just talked about it as a possible home one day, according to some, for the Buffalo Bills. And the University of Texas and its proud alumni, proud academic programs, they've got engineering, liberal arts, communications, and more. Got a school of architecture, a school of law, and the University of Texas, certainly one of our great southern universities, so much so that if you didn't like Texas before, well, maybe you will like them now that they're going to join the SEC if you're from SEC country. Texas has a long history of alumni, and actually, thefamouspeople.com has come out with a listing of some of the most famous alumni of the University of Texas, and I'm going to walk you through numbers 20 through number one these are alumni of the university of texas so i love this website they've made it kind of fun the 20th most famous university of texas alumnus is actor glenn powell i'm not familiar with a lot of his work but his face looks familiar glenn powell how about dabney coleman now dabney i gotta give credit dabney is actually a vmi alumnus but perhaps he got some postgraduate work at the University of Texas. I better, in Dabney's defense, the actor, y'all remember Dabney from 9 to 5 with Dolly Parton? Dabney Coleman. Dabney Coleman, by the way, is an Austin native. He's, he's from Austin. 89 years old is Dabney Coleman. And he did go to VMI and graduated from Virginia Military Institute in 1949, but then he went and studied law at UT in Austin, his hometown. So he is a Texas alumnus and a VMI cadet as well. How about that? The 18th most famous University of Texas alumnus, Michael Dell of Dell, you know, the computer company. Michael Dell, born in Houston. Number 17, former First Lady Laura Bush. She is a University of Texas alumnus. She also went to SMU. Got to give props to SMU, I think, is her undergraduate alma mater. Lady Bird Johnson, of course, the former, another former first lady 
of the United States. She was born in Karnak, Texas, and she is a University of Texas alumna. In fact, the Johnson, her family, I think it was, had radio stations there in Austin, still perhaps own media outlets. Game show host Alan Ludden is a Texas alumnus. How about we talked about First Lady Laura Bush? How about her daughter definitely is a Longhorn. She's not afraid to show it when you see her on the Today Show. Jenna Bush Hager graduated from the University of Texas. How about Jenna's uncle? I mean, the Bushes and UT kind of have a little thing going, don't you think? Jeb Bush is a University of Texas alumnus. How about this great actor who was actually a Kansas native, but he is a graduate also or an alumnus of the University of Texas, R. Lee Ermey, the great actor. You often saw him playing the drill sergeant roles and uh, lost him several years ago. Love R. Lee Ermey. The great Walter Cronkite, a University of Texas alumnus. Walter Cronkite, born in 1916. Another UT alum, how about this one? James, uh, Jane Mansfield, the actress who was a Pennsylvania native, a University of Texas alum. And it was Jane Mansfield whose death tra- tragically was horrible. And she had a connection definitely here in the South. She was killed in a car wreck leaving the Mississippi Gulf Coast in 1967 she was killed in Slidell the unbelievably beautiful Jane Mansfeld who was killed at age 34 just outside of New Orleans as she again attended SMU and the University of Texas did you know she was a playboy playmate at one time she also had several children one of her children is actress Mariska Haggerty, you know her from all those Law and Order shows on NBC. Beautiful actress. Mariska is 57 years old. Lived some 30 plus years longer than her mama, who again was killed back in 1967 in that tragic car accident. Producer Wes Anderson is a University of Texas alum. He's on the list. How about actor John Hamm, the St. Louis native? who is now 50 years young. He is a University of Texas alum. And you know what? There's going to be another famous alum from Texas that's an actor that's going to be ahead of John Hamm. Hard to believe somebody outranks John Hamm from the same college. But that's going to be what I'm going to reveal in a second. How about Renee Zellweger, another actress? Hey, if you want to be an actress, don't go to Hollywood. Go to Austin. Renee is a Texas alum, the Katy, Texas native. Number six, another actor from Texas in a uh, I mean, an A-lister, or should I say a UT-lister, Owen Wilson, a UT alum. How about maybe better than all of them, Farrah Fawcett, Farrah Fawcett, University of Texas alumni, the Corpus Christi native Farrah Fawcett, and she studied. She got her learning in at UT. We lost Farrah back in 2009. She was 62 years old. But sure enough, she studied at UT. She studied microbiology before switching her major to art. And she was a Delta, 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 Tri-Delta, Farrah Fawcett there while at the University of Texas. 
And I guess at that time she was known as Farrah Fawcett. That was her maiden name. She changed the spelling of her first name, ultimately. But how about that? Farrah Fawcett, a University of Texas alum. How about Neil deGrasse Tyson, the astrophysicist? You probably have seen him on various TV shows. He comes in at number four on this list of University of Texas's famous alumni. How about Janice Joplin, the Port Arthur native, a UT alum? Number two, this guy is such a big star, and he's a Texas alumnus. He got a special meal deal at McDonald's recently. Travis Scott. Did you know he is a University of Texas alumnus? And none of these people I'm mentioning, by the way, are athletic figures. I mean, I could go through, like, uh, I guess our Olympian right now, Kevin Durant, is a University of Texas alumnus. But how about Jacques Berman Webster II, born in Houston back in 1991, now goes by Travis Scott. And the 30-year-old rapper, singer, songwriter, and record producer studied at UT, the one in San Antonio, according to this report, but still goes down as a University of Texas alum, so we'll, we'll leave it at that. And lastly, number one, no doubt about it, this guy is a hook'em horn for sure, Matthew McConaughey, University of Texas alum from Uvalde, Texas. Matthew McConaughey, now almost 52. He's 51 years old, and he is a Texas alumnus. We're going to hear from Matthew in a second, as he not long ago stopped by the football fields of UT to inspire the football team, because they've had a, a pretty rough go of it over the last several years. And McConaughey, who attended UT, while there he joined Delta Tall Delta, Delta Fraternity. He graduated. He and I graduated the same year, 1993. He got his degree in radio, television, and film. All right, all right, all right. And he loves them horns. In fact, he lives in Austin today, Matthew McConaughey. So as I said, McConaughey, not all that long ago, stopped by the practice fields at UT to inspire the team. Let's go in and hear a cleaned-up clip of the actor talking to the horns. As again, today we're on a stop in Austin celebrating the University of Texas and the Longhorn football program, our latest stop on our 44-city tour across the south of the great teams and traditions and fun. And right now it's all horns, and right now it's all coach Matthew McConaughey. You're on a huge stage, man. It doesn't get no bigger. And we're opening the season. And we're saying Sunday football, not even Saturday football. ABC, Notre Dame, who handed it to you last year, coming in your house Sunday night, 6.30, right here, Austin, Texas, Daryl K. Royal Memorial Stadium. Whole world's watching. You don't get rid of fear or nerves by saying, I'm not nervous, uh-uh, uh-uh. That's not how you get rid of it. You admit it. I have many times where I go up on my first day of shooting and I got my big scene. And I've learned that. I just say it out loud. I go, man, I'm scared. Whoa. I'm nervous. And it, it, it all of a sudden it goes away. I'm not nervous anymore. So don't try and say you're not nervous if you are. Use those nerves. That means you, you ought to have some butterflies. That means you can play at your peak ability. But admit it. And when it's time to get out there, focus, commit to what you got to do. Don't be thinking anymore. You know. Like Coach says, preparation's over. Let it rip, man. 
Let it rip. You got one time. You got one time. You can only do one in a row. You got one game right now, and that's Sunday. You can't play game two, game three, game four. You can't get to the end of the season. One in a row can start for you Sunday night. So don't come out of Sunday night going, oh, man, if I would have, wish I would have, could have. If I was only a little bit quicker, man, I was kind of I was kind of scared. That, uh, let it rip. Get your mindset right now of how great of an opportunity you got Sunday night. Show up, man. Worst thing you could do is have one hesitation and not be ready mentally Sunday night that you will regret for the rest of your life. Don't have anything to regret. Let it rip. And get your mind right now. When we say let it rip, that doesn't mean chaos. That doesn't mean anarchy. No, you got to focus, you know what you got to do, play your position as well as you can, you all play as the best team, but let it rip. All right, let it rip. You heard it from Matthew McConaughey, Coach Matthew McConaughey, inspiring the horns. Again, Texas this year begins its season at home at DKR Texas Memorial Stadium on September 4th when the Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns come in to Austin and the 40 Acres. And if you go there, some of the great traditions as we wrap up our focus on UT, Bevo will greet you, the big gigantic cow that is the Texas mascot and one of the coolest mascots you're ever going to see. Of course, you're going to be greeted by those in Texas's eyes, beautiful burnt orange and white colors. Those colors actually go all the way back to 1885, and Texas is very proud of that unique color combination. You're also likely at a Texas game to hear plenty of the Eyes of Texas, written and performed back in 1903 by students who were poking fun at a favorite saying of then-President William Prather, and it was first performed at a minstrel show. That song's kind of been in the news lately as some people want it to go away, but President Jay Hartzell saying that UT will acknowledge and teach about all aspects of the eyes of Texas, and they're going to continue singing it there at UT Sports. Big Bertha, that's one of the traditions. That's the big old bass drum, the world's largest bass drum that the show band of the Southwest carries into games and you'll see that big drum on display, 500-pound drum that measures 8 feet in diameter, and that's part of the traditions at the University of Texas. And then you also have, as part of the tradition, that tower we referenced earlier. Lighting the tower is a Texas Longhorn tradition, and you'll see that thing get lit up in that burnt orange and white color, and it'll be lit up on game days for Texas Longhorn fans to get excited about what is ahead for their football team on that game day weekend. All that part of the fun, as here today we have taken some time to tell you about the Texas Longhorns of the Big 12, but soon to be of the SEC. On our Friday show, we're going to take you to Raleigh, and it's all about the NC State Wolfpack as we close up this week of y'all programming. Stay tuned. Up next, we got a quick look at some headlines going on across the southeast. Before the hour is up, a look at some of the festivals across Dixie. Stay tuned to the Y'all Show.
got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. Just hold your own rope and raise your own babies. Smoke your own smoke and grow your own daisies. Mend your own fences and own your own crazy. Mind your own biscuits and life will be gravy. Mind your own biscuits and life will be gravy. There's a lady that's called Austin, Texas home for a while. Casey Musgraves, good East Texas girl with a really crafty song, Biscuits. We're wrapping things up here on Talk with a Southern Accent here for this final hour on our Thursday Y'all Show. And a quick news headline or more. Automakers here in the United States are pledging a huge increase in electric vehicles Declaring the U.S. must move fast to win the world's car-making future. Today, President Joe Biden announcing a commitment from the auto industry to produce electric vehicles, EVs, for as much as half of the U.S. sales by the end of this decade. He's kind of laying it all out there and saying, we're going to do this. You better join up. The president also wants automakers to raise gas mileage and cut tailpipe pollution between now and model year 2026, that's only five years away, that would mark a significant step toward meeting his pledge to cut emissions and battle climate change as the president pushes a history-making shift in this country from internal combustion, from those engines that produce internal combustion, to battery-powered vehicles. It can be done. What would this world be like without these internal combustion engines. It would sound probably better. We wouldn't have all these loud engines. And trust me, if they can make a battery-powered motorcycle that will eliminate these knuckleheads that I get to hear way too often revving up their motorcycles to try to sound cool or the the good old girls and boys of the South that like to rev up their cars and, and rip one before they take off, yeah, if that electric vehicle can help eliminate those kind of things, I'm all for it. But, yes, at the White House today, there were electric vehicles parked on the lawn there, and President Biden declaring them a vision of the future that is now beginning to happen. I have a friend of mine who is currently developing and working on electric-powered aircraft, and we're already seeing some aircraft work on electronic, on batteries power, and this associate of mine says it works so that is when that happens when you can fly on an electric powered plane that's going to be a huge money maker and a huge positive for the aircraft industry because right now a big part of any kind of flight is the weight of the flight and a lot of that weight comes down to the jet fuel that's pumped into a plane so the planes will be so much lighter they can likely carry more people, perhaps. And, heck, they'll probably be safer if they can make all this work the way that supposedly it's going to work. So those are just some of the aspects as this country and this world we live in, to the credit of some of the liberals, to the Democrats, they've been pushing this Green New Deal. Some of it may not be a bad idea. And if we can make electric vehicles work, great. I see every day people driving their Teslas. And they love them. And they love the fact that I think when you recharge a Tesla, I think it costs about $4. And when you go recharge your Kia or your Honda or your Ford or your Chevy, 
you're paying about $35 these days. So, yeah, I'll take the $4 every day compared to the 35 But, yeah, a change is a-coming, it looks like. And, again, at the White House today, automakers pledging a huge increase in electric vehicles. Speaking of presidents, might want to make your way to Coleman, Alabama, come August 21st. That's where the nation's 45th president, Donald J. Trump, is going to be having a rally. And, boy, what a rally that's going to be when they have this rally north of Birmingham come August, late August. In fact, the EMA director, Phyllis Little of Coleman, Alabama, saying that it's one thing for Leonard Skinner to come to Coleman, but for President Trump to come in what many people call Trump country, that's going to be quite a scene there at this big rally planned August 21st. And they're calling this thing Rock the South at York Family Farms. You might want to go do a little Googling and find out more about it if you want to. But check it out, Trump in the heart of Dixie. And that's coming up just a few weeks away, August 21st. You can go see Donald J. Trump in not only the heart of, the, of Dixie, but really the, the heart of the South. You can find your 45th president back in the Mid-South, if you will. More of the Y'all Show is coming up. We're going to wrap things up with a quick look at some great festivals that are headed your way this weekend across several of our southern states. That is Around the Corner on our conversation about the South. Stay tuned. No time has passed And months has gone But this love in my heart, oh yeah, has lingered on. But when I get worried, I sneak away and cry. You know my love. We're back now. Final segment before we get out of here for the day. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent with General John Rawl, CSA, Certified Southern American. And let me tell you about a few things going on across the Southeast. If you don't have your weekend all planned out, we've got some really cool festivals and more. And we'll start off in the hometown of two of our most famous political figures of the last 30 years. One is a legitimate guy that's famous in the political world and the other one well i would say he's probably well he's had his he's on tv a lot okay i'll just leave it at that hope arkansas the hometown of one william jefferson clinton also the home of the former governor of arkansas and a guy who tried to another governor i should not forget about bill clinton being governor way back in the 1980s up until when he got to be elected president it's also the hometown of one mike huckabee hope arkansas and this weekend in hope there's a lot of hope going on because that's where you're going to find the hope watermelon festival and that's going on right now this weekend in this little lovely spot i think hope is southwest arkansas kind of going down toward texarkana out of little rock if you want to make your plans 
to go there this weekend. In the Sunshine State this weekend, if you want to head there, you have a couple of really cool events going on, including going on this weekend in Orlando. It is, or actually this is taking place in Opelika, Florida. The Miami Reggae Festival is happening this weekend. Make your plans accordingly to go to that portion of the Sunshine State for a reggae festival from watermelons to reggae. We got you covered. How about this? In Shreveport this weekend, it's the fourth annual Ratchet City Music Fest. Ratchet City. Is that the nickname of Shreveport? Could be. Could be right on the Red River as it flows southeast, I guess, through Shreveport and Bossier City. And this weekend, this you'll find right there on the beautiful shoreline, the Ratchet Ratchet Festival, the Ratchet City Music Fest going on this weekend. In Mississippi this weekend, if you want to head on down to the or up or over from the Magnolia State, hey, I can't. I'm not going to belabor it because we, we've already talked watermelons, but this is going to be, I saw a billboard for it the other day. I think it's the 52nd Watermelon Festival. I'm sorry, whoa, whoa, not a festival. The 52nd Watermelon Carnival in Water Valley, Mississippi, and that's going on Friday and Saturday if you want to make it to Yalabusha County for that. Now, if you don't make it to Yalabusha County, you might want to head on over to DeSoto County because this weekend, it's the Food Fest weekend in Horn Lake at the Memphis Jellystone Park. Food Fest 2021 in Horn Lake, and that's just south of Memphis, Tennessee. And that's going on this weekend. Food and fun, for sure. How about what's going on in Wilmington this weekend, Wilmington, North Carolina? It is the Welcome Back Fest in Wilmington, taking place with a lot of different activities and more in fact they have great music and fun and Wilmington right there on the beach of North Carolina that's enough reason alone to go check out what's going on there this weekend across the state line in South Carolina this weekend they have going on this weekend the kids fest that's taking place in Goose Creek that's in the Charleston area it's kid fest 2021 put on by the city of Goose Creek, and that's taking place right there in, I think that is Berkeley County, technically, not Charleston County, and that's happening this weekend. In the Volunteer State, we'll kind of break this one down with various events. First of all, in Hendersonville, just north of Nashville, it's Sumner Fest, not Summer, but Sumner because that's Sumner County. Hendersonville and Hendersonville at Sanders Ferry Park this weekend It's Sumner Fest. And then taking place in East Tennessee this weekend, in Maryville, the Foothills Fear Festival. That is taking place this weekend. And then I'll also let you know going on in, let's see if we can't find something in the western third of the state. I'm not seeing too much going on. This must be a weekend. I think most of the western end of the state is back in school. But I will tell you about something taking place. And that's going on in Auburn Town, Tennessee. This weekend, it's the Red Apple Days. Red Apple Days 2021 in Auburn Town, Tennessee. And I have heard a lot about Tennessee towns. I have never heard of Auburn Town, Tennessee. That is located 
in Cannon County. No wonder I have not heard of Auburn Town. That is southeast of Nashville is where you'll find Cannon County. Cannon County's county seat is Woodbury. Never been there. Have to put it on my list of places to go to. This weekend in the Lone Star State of Texas, you got several fun things taking place, including in Canton, Texas, it's the Red Feather Tribe at Rooster Fest taking place in Canton in the Lone Star State. Also, you have what's called the Beach Fest 2021, and that is not in a beach town. That is in West Texas in Buddy Holly's hometown of Lubbock, and that is taking place this very weekend if you're wanting to get out to West Texas check out that event also going on this weekend in the old dominion state you have a fun day festival that's spelled p-h-u-n fun day festival that is in virginia beach and that's taking place this weekend also right there in virginia beach you have the virginia beach water lantern festival where they put the little water lanterns out probably in a nice little peaceful cove or something like that That's going to be taking place at Mount Trashmore Park in Virginia Beach, Virginia this weekend. And lastly, on our listing of places going on with festivals and more for this weekend, in the Mountain State of West Virginia this weekend, in Parsons, it's Pickin' and Parsons Bluegrass Festival. That's at the Five River Campgrounds in Parsons, West Virginia. Get your bluegrass on for some good picking and grinning going on this weekend. Again, those are some of the many fun events planned for the weekend if you are looking to get out of the house. Thank you all for being part of the show that's all about the South. I'm John Rawl. We'll do this again on Friday with another three-hour fun trip down Southern Memory Lane. Until that time, have a great rest of y'all's day.